Welcome to One Hit Wonderful, the podcast where we're revisiting all of those reality shows that only had one season. I'm your host, Frank Pezzanite III. And I'm Meredith Broadbeck. And today we're going to be delving even deeper into the absolute dumpster fire that is high society. But it is an exciting day. It's one of my favorite days of the year. It's a mayor's birthday record in person weekend. So we are here together. Woo! Which is soups exciting. Happy birthday, Mayor. Thank you. And um, before we do any house cleaning or anything, I think it's time for your gift. <laughs> so here you go. How did you know that I love Olaf from Frozen? Um, well, it's called I Didn't Have Time to Go to the Store, <laughs> and I recycled my Christmas paper from last year that I used for my nieces and nephews. I'm all, I'm all about it. I'm opening the card first. Oh, well, I already ripped it. It's well, yeah, I, could t- I taped it because I didn't want it to fall off, so... Okay, well, this card is incredible. Um, it has a picture of Anna Delvey on it, mm-hmm. and it says the wire transfers on the way. <laughs> Did you read the inside? Yeah. Oh. Yes. <laughs> you look poor. <laughs> I actually do look poor right now, too. <laughs> I'm wearing a hooded sweatshirt, my hair is wet, and I have no makeup on, so thanks, love. Oh, my God. Happy birthday. Is this Tinsley's mugshot yes, on it, a t-shirt? Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. This is amazing. <clears throat> oh, wow. Now you can represent. <laughs> I love it. This is the best. She was arrested in Palm Beach, right? Yes, she was arrested in Palm Beach for um, breaking <laughs> into her ex-boyfriend's house. I think to retrieve a purse. <laughs> One of her purses. I'm sure. Oh my God. Thank you so much. You're That's very amazing. welcome. We'll post on the Instagram when I get it back and running. So episode four in person. You guys, we haven't recorded in person in so long. This is so exciting. I don't even remember the last time we did it in no, person. No, me either. Um, episode four, the war is on. <coughs> Apparently. Yeah, the war is on. Although I'm kind of getting annoyed that they keep teasing the war and we're not actually getting the war. Right. Like, I'm assuming the eighth and final episode will finally be the war. I'm like, when are we getting to the fucking war? Right. Um, well, do you have any house cleaning before I do the snob story? Um, I'm looking very quickly... No. No, I don't. Okay. So, this episode's snob story is Deborah, (gasps) Denise, Trachtenberg. Also known as Devorah Rose. That's the one. Yep. Yep, that's the one. Um, So, this is a little interesting. We all know what she's doing now. She's doing the same stuff she's doing on this show, but she has kind of an interesting backstory. Um, so she was born in 1979 in Plano, Texas, but she is famous for lying about her age. She won't disclose her age, but you can look up her birthday and she graduated from college in the year 2002. What? Yeah. So who does she think she's fooling? I don't know. It's really weird. So she, she now she's got to be what, like 41, 42? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. No big deal. Um, so she's Although, born- wait a minute. That means when this was filmed... She was only 29 or 30? Yeah. She looked like shit then. She I looks know. way older than that. Yeah. yeah. Although good on her for like owning a magazine and whatever at 30. So, all right. 
She does not own the magazine. She is editor in chief. Okay. Uh huh. Don't don't get that twisted. Okay. So she was born in Plano, Texas. Her mother is Venezuelan, and her father is Guatemalan. Okay. Um. So she moved back to Venezuela with her parents when she was three months old, and then she didn't come back to the United States until she was six. Okay. Um. So she moved to Newton, Massachusetts, which is sort of like a Tony or suburb of Boston. Um. And I read in an article that she claims. She has family money and that her uncle, Nelson Vasquez, was the guy who invented the modern oil pump. But I, oh. I did not... Of all the things I looked up from this episode, I didn't I didn't have time to get to that one. But I read that in an article somewhere else. Um, so she changed her name to Devorah in high school. That tracks. And then she changed her last name to Rose when she moved to New York in the 90s for college. So I think she just decided to sort of become someone. Reinvent herself. <laughs> yeah. Um, so she went to Barnard um, and then later pursued her MFA in fiction writing at Columbia. She didn't finish her MFA, but she got her bachelor's from Barnard okay. Columbia. Yeah. So Social Life magazine was actually started by a publisher named Justin Mitchell. And he met Devorah in the year 2001 um, at the Museum of Modern Art. And she told him, like, well, I'll write and edit for your magazine and sort of like threw herself at his feet. And he was like, sure, okay. And the editor-in-chief at the time was actually his aunt. Okay. But So Devorah kind of like covered parties for them and sort of just like fell into this party girl who wrote about it. So it turned into a job. And um, in 2007, when the guy's aunt passed away, he made Devorah editor-in-chief. Oh. Well, I mean, she must have family money then, right? Because you are not living that lifestyle working for a magazine. She might, yeah. And I did read that the president of Venezuela went to her grandmother's funeral. Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah, I would say that's family money. Yeah, so, sure. yeah, something's going on there. I don't know if it's the modern oil pump. I thought the way that that was written was very funny, <laughs> but it could be that. Um, but she's been the editor-in-chief since then. Oh, all So right. that's 15 years. So she's she's all in on Social Life magazine. That's still a thing. Um, Which is shocking because um, people just love magazines these days. Like, what the fuck? I know. Um, so she was also very early, not I guess not that early, but she was known for being very interested in reality television. Like, people thought it was kind of a waste of time, and she was like, no, 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 it's, it's here to stay. And she wasn't wrong. No. Like, in an interview, she famously said, um, who did she say? She said the Kardashians are worth more than Angelina Jolie. You can't tell me that's not worth something or whatever. And she was not wrong. Um, so she actually secured a development deal for herself with ABC for a reality show. And it was called Social Heights. But it was, oh. I know. It was never picked up. <laughs> was that before or after High Society? Great question. I don't know. Some of the timing of her, all of her reality TV stuff is very close together. Like High Society, NYC Prep some other things like they were all in the same few year time span. So I don't well, know. Well, cause I was wondering if her little bits on those shows led to be possibly having her own show or if she tried to get her own show and it didn't pan out. And then she was like, fuck it. I'm just going to try to be on all the reality shows I can. I'm guessing it's that. Yeah. Um, which would also explain her hatred for Tinsley. I'd be really fucking pissed if someone else got a reality show and I did not. Yeah. So she was on NYC prep. She was on an episode of real housewives of New York city. Oh, she was. She had a cameo. She had a cameo on a show called The Fashionista Diaries. Never even heard of it. And then she was on an episode of Cake Boss as well. 
She's a real reality horror. I, I, I appreciate <laughs> she, it. She is. I'm here for it. And I don't remember if this was in NYC prep or not, but did I guess PC was an intern at Social Life magazine. Is that how it was introduced on that show? Yeah. Well, I thought he said they were friends, and then he she he was like interning at that photo shoot. Oh yeah. And then they pulled him in to yeah. like. Okay. Well, that's how she got on NYC Prep, I guess, is that he was an intern, or that's yeah. what they're still oh. saying. Um. So there's a big New York Times profile of Devora that you guys can all read, and it was it was sort of interesting. Like she, the reporters interviewing her in the Hamptons, and like it ends with someone. She's in this like fancy store and someone says like, oh, you're Devorah from Social Life magazine. And I guess she like turns to the reporter and says, see, it's all worth it or something like that. And that's how the article ends. It's pretty good. Um, so about high society, she actually said that all of these on-screen outbursts were scripted <coughs> and that she and Tinsley were never really friends. Um, I believe that they were scripted. I believe that they were never really fr- I mean yeah it makes sense I, especially if she's like a reality TV like I want to be like it would make sense if she, she would do that. said quote everyone was reduced to a parody of a character it's fine because it opened doors for me that's kind of how she rolls well it also I mean again I've said this numerous times on this podcast about the show like I don't understand if it was true why Tinsley who's a producer on the show would let someone talk shit you know what I mean like it yeah. Unless it was purposeful. Yeah. So another thing that's interesting is that, so Devorah, for as much of like a whore as she is, and she wants to be on all these TV shows and like really get her name out there to do a variety of things, she's surprisingly private. Like I couldn't find that much about her dating life or whatever. And I'll get to more of that. But I did see in the Daily Mail that she famously went on a dinner date with Salman Rushdie. <laughs> really? But then he dumped her because she apparently talked about the relationship too much. I can't even... Fa- like, how do you go from Padmalashki to Devorah Rowe? Like, I don't... I wonder if I mean, she... if she's some giant intellectual when and did just he... not seeing it. When did he date Padma, though? He's married to Padma. Right. When was that, though? Long time ago. But way before Top Chef. Okay. They were already divorced by the time she was on Top Chef. Okay. Because this, I think, was in 2011. But that, um... So it was way after. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. And so what was funny in the article though, is they said like Salman Rushdie's had it with this blonde woman he dated. She keeps talking about their relationship and it said in the daily mail that when called for the, um, like fact check that she refused to give her age. I was like, Devorah, let it go. Yeah. Who cares? Like, that's not a thing. No, I know. Anyway. So also she's still out there and doing, you know, what's it called? I want to call it High Society Magazine. Society Mag... What's it called? Society Life? What's it called? Shit. Social Life. Um, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> That's what I get for reading all these blogs, trying to dig <laughs> up shit. Um, she's kind of private now, and she has less than 5,000 Instagram followers, which I thought was kind of interesting. That seems small to me. It's yeah. Not, it's not insignificant. I'm not saying that. But for someone like her... I was surprised. For the editor-in-chief of, a like, a society... Ma- like, I feel like it is small. But I wonder if... <laughs> I almost feel like she wants to be known for being fabulous, but doesn't want anyone to know about her... Pro- you know what I mean? Like, I mean, like, celebrity. Like, I mean, like an Angelina Jolie. But, you know, we these days we don't hear much about her. Sure. Um, but anyway, Devorah did um, welcome a baby boy in early 2021. I have no idea who the father is. 
She wears a massive diamond ring on her left hand and has, I, I scrolled so far back in her Instagram feed, I got bored and I couldn't do it anymore, but she's had that ring on since 2017. So I want to say that she's happily married and they just had a baby, but I have no idea to who. Oh. I can't, I can't corroborate that. But we know that she's friends with Liz Margulies from Gallery Girls. She's still out in the Hamptons doing her thing. I wonder about it. if, I'm surprised that there's not stuff about her in her magazine. I also would have thought that she would sort of have touted her own wedding a little bit or like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I respect the fact that she has some privacy, but. Well, cause you would think she would want free shit yeah. like for the wedding, like to like have Galliano like design her wedding dress because it was going to be featured on the cover of whatever the fuck, you know what I mean? Like it, you're right. Like that. It seems like that's what she would want. Or maybe she got a taste of reality and didn't like it. Yeah, I don't know. I can't I can't decide. I would think that she would bring her husband to all these red carpets and like you know, want some sort of fancy pants Ken doll to be with her, but it's really just her. I but I also wonder too if she when she was on all these shows, if like on social media and stuff people just raked her over the coals and she was like this is like being in the public for me is not for me. Maybe. She still Cuz there's no way people were saying <laughs> positive things about her. No, but she still tries pretty hard. Like, if, when she gets a noteworthy name on the cover of that magazine, it dominates her feed for a while. Like, Christy Brinkley. Dear God, she thinks she's Christy Brinkley's best friend. It's, like, it's people like that. It's, like, Hampton's people. She she still hangs on pretty tight. Well, but I also think maybe that's for Hampton's people. Maybe. Like, not for the general. Like, maybe she, I'm sure she doesn't give a shit what you or I think about her. But I'm sure she wants all her Hampton's people to know she's friends with Christy Brinkley. And so maybe yeah. that's why she keeps it tight. Maybe. I don't know. I'm also surprised that her Instagram isn't private then. Nope. She posts some weird stuff. I'm not going to lie. Like she posts a lot of like. Shocking. Well, <laughs> she, <laughs> you know, like when you see someone posting a Getty photo, like yeah. an official red carpet, she posts a ton of those, but a lot of them are old and she repurposes them or like, I don't know. It's just like, I had a hard time keeping up with her timeline because she reposts the same things over and over again. Well, yeah. Yep. But that's Devorah. I mean. All right. Well, that was a lot. I yeah. mean. Living her best life still. Yeah. Um, so are you ready? I am ready. How is this only episode four? Episode five. Oh, it's five. It's five. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I hadn't updated my notes. We are more than halfway through. I was going to say, this is starting to feel like a slog if this is only four. Yeah, we only have three left. All right. It's Sunday night. It is Sunday night. <laughs> and... I feel like they really glossed over Tinsley breaking up with Kashmir. Same. She right? says, also, let's be real. He broke up with her, right? A thousand percent. Yeah. 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 I um, think he ran out of that ballroom and never talked to her ever again. Same. I mean, that's what I would have done if someone's mother was chasing me all over a ballroom. But I thought it was crazy <clears throat> that like we didn't hear that last episode. And now it starts with like, well, because Kazzy and I have broken up. So I'm ready for a girl's night. I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah. She said, after breaking up with Casimir and fighting with my mom, my life is spiraling. Yeah. Um, so she decides to have like a little girl's slumber party with Dabney and they go to La Perla on the Upper East Side and the store is closed for them. So they're like buying little nightgowns together. And then they go to the Empire Hotel and have like a little slumber party. Like they're eating chicken tenders and drinking champagne. Yeah. I, I put Empire Hotel champs and chicken tenders. Yeah. My kind of night. Um, I actually appreciated though that Dabney gave Tinsley a little bit of tough love and she sort of said like, you need to stop giving a shit about our mom. 
Yeah, well, I mean, and she also basically said to her, just be yourself. Yeah. Like, why are you trying to be somebody else yeah. for our mother and, quite frankly, for the rest of the world? Yeah. Like, just fucking be you. Yeah, she says, Tins, <laughs> get it together, step it up. I also am, the more, well, I mean, we don't see much of her, but the more Dabney shows up, I do think she might be lesbian. I'm really getting that vibe. Mm-hmm. The black nail polish, the, like, I'm getting that vibe. And I'm, I... here, I'm here for it. I'm very here for it. I'm not mad that I I said it. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you could be very well be right. I'm into it. So then, that's really my only note about their slumber party. I don't. That's you know they're like jumping on the bed in La Perla. It's kind of weird, but and possibly puking on the carpet. But we'll get to that later. <laughs> yeah, <I know. laughs> um. So then it is Monday, mm-hmm. and Paul is now celebrating the fact that he was covered in page six. So this apparently, is... page six did. They must have at least mentioned the guest of a guest ripping off the sconces. And he's acting like he won a Nobel Peace Prize. Well, he is at <coughs> Peace Food Cafe. Still in existence. There's two of them in New York. Okay. Um, yes. He is. He could not be more thrilled that he's, he's making And my favorite part is that at first I thought he was meeting with a friend. And then come to find out he's just telling all about this article and reading it to the waitress. <laughs> I didn't notice that. Yeah, she worked there. That <laughs> woman worked there. Like, she got up and went back behind the counter. Like, what is wrong with you? Like, what is... What the that's, fuck? That, kind of... That's That makes it so much better, and I'm sad I didn't see it, because yeah. now I want to rewind. You need to go back and rewatch it after we're done, because it is insane. Like, they're sitting there talking. I'm like, oh, it's some friend, and we didn't get a name card. This is weird. And then he's like, oh, it's crazy, whatever. And then she gets up and goes back behind the counter of the establishment. Stop. (laughs) Um, He's also celebrating the fact that Tinsley was covered by like an NBC fashion website or something. And they compared her Marquesa dress to a wedding cake. Yes. And Paul thinks that's just... If she had worn what he brought her, she would have been written up well, differently. talk about a 180. <laughs> we went from, like, being very gracious about the fact that she decided to go in another direction to being like, ah! <laughs> yeah. Also, what were his necklaces? Oh, I wasn't even paying attention. Oh, my God. They looked like they were made of, like, yarn. They there probably were, were. There were two of them. It was weird. It was almost like sort of, like, run DMC chains, but, like, colorful yarn. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. Maybe he made them out of the leftover um, blanket fragments from his couch in the apartment. (laughs) They gave me blanket couch vibes. Um, Oh my God. The fact that he was telling that story to the waitress is everything. Yeah. So then we go to the Empire Hotel. Oh God. Yo. So we're just going to, there's going to be a lot of Jules Empire Hotel stuff in this episode. And again, she's on the phone with housekeeping or management, um, and she wants them to clean the vomit off the floor. Oh, I have the direct quote. Okay, thanks. Can someone come up from house cleaning? There's like a vomit on the floor. Like every time she calls them, she's implying that they're the ones who did it. Um, my other favorite quote from this scene is when she says, I don't think you should expect me to clean it up. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, aren't you the one that puked on the floor? Like, I don't... Probably. My favorite part is that she tells them that there's dirt on the coffee table as she has her sneakers on, on the, the coffee, coffee table. table. Yeah. That's where the dirt came from, honey. Your fugly Reeboks 
by the way. And I also think that this goes, I mean, I know that she said it's fake. Devorah said it's fake, 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 fake. But I think the fact that twice this episode, she was ripping off mics and like, seeing like I'm done filming, get the cameras out of here, goes to show that it is, hers isn't fake. No. Like she is a fucking monster. She's a monster. Yeah. Oh, also I write on, um, in a Jezebel write-up of this episode that apparently Devorah took Jules to task and called her a bigot in a blog. Good. And I tried to read the article and it's no longer to be found. I was kind of sad, but I was proud of Devorah for that. I firmly believe, <laughs> I mean, I really think that Jules has so much money that she's got people scrubbing the internet for her. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. There should be articles every fucking where about her. Yeah. And the fact that like, you know, there was one and couldn't find it. Like she's like, she's getting stuff scrubbed. Well, her dad's a fancy pants lawyer. Yeah. That's with, and her mom's got that Dreyfus money. Yeah. So there you go. Anyway. So then Jules takes her fugly sneakers and her entire outfit. Oh my God. She looks like a candy striper, but then mm-hmm. she's wearing these, they are high top, like oversized red and white. And then they're Reeboks. Like I thought they were at least going to be some designer something because they're so, they don't even suit her. It's weird. Wait, I feel like it doesn't match her aesthetic. No, it's very strange. Um, but she goes to the Jeunesse spa, which was the spa at the empire hotel. It has since closed. Oh, because I looked up the Jeunesse Spa. There is one on Bond Street that's still open. There, I assumed it was that one. There are two other spas called that, but this was the one at the hotel. Really interesting <clears throat> that they didn't make that clear in the clip. I mean, they should have put Jeunesse Spa in the Empire Hotel because that made what happened later make even... I mean, it makes sense no matter what, but would make even more sense. Yeah. Well, I only figured it out because she's wearing the exact same thing. And it looked like she took the elevator and just got off the elevator. And clearly that receptionist knows her. Well, yeah. And the fact that the receptionist said to her, like, we always try to accommodate you. There's just yeah. And I, <clears throat> as being someone in this industry, was like, fuck you. Like, I hate when people pull this shit. To show up at a salon out of the blue and just go, I need my hair and my nails done immediately. And they say, I'm really sorry. I don't have any time. Be like, make it work. Well, that's not a thing. Like... If you make it work, you have to cancel someone else. Like, you have to take away someone else's appointment. Like, that's not a thing. Yeah. Go stand outside and pay someone for their appointment then. Yeah. Yeah. That's what she's doing, by the way. She's just... And the receptionist looks so over her shit. Like, this looks like this happens every couple days. Yeah. For sure. My favorite, though, is that when the receptionist says she can't accommodate her, and I also wrote down this quote, Jules says, I'm going to find somewhere else that's, like, better at doing everything. Yeah. <laughs> That was my favorite, too. <laughs> okay, Jules, you're in your ugly Reeboks. You do yeah, that. go for it. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, so then, it's weird. This this episode was vile, but I felt like I laughed a lot. Uh, there was a lot to laugh at. Yeah. <laughs> they are terrible people, and, you know, I feel like the show does need a disclaimer, but... I mean, I will say this. Like, Jules <clears throat> is a monster, but she is great fucking TV. Like, she's an amazing reality show villain. Like, she's good. Yeah, I could do without the overt racism, but... But that's what I'm saying. Like, I yeah. mean, no one should be giving her a platform because she's so horrible. Yeah. But I do enjoy watching her because she's so horrible. Yeah. And it does make me wonder how many other reality stars have we seen that might be like this when the cameras are put away. Uh, you mean like Ramona Singer? Yeah, that's who I was getting at. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, so then we go to Paul's apartment on the Upper West Side, and he <laughs> says that he is feeling like a million dollars after this page six write-up. Fucking thrilled. 
he is like, I he's giddy. It's it's unhinged. I'm really surprised he hasn't gotten like one of those script tattoos like Sheena Shea has that says like, "There's no such thing as bad press." Uh, <laughs> I feel like that is his fucking mantra. It is. Um, so he keeps saying that he's celebrating his victory against Jules because he knows that Jules planted that story and it blew up in her face. But I don't understand how it blew up in her face because all page six did was write about what he actually did, which was deface property. Because he was at Cleo's apartment and I think Jules was there and then it made the blog. And so he knows that Jules did it. No, 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 no. I'm saying I don't understand why he thinks that this article blew up in Jules's face. Like, why do oh, you think yeah. it's a good thing? Like, oh. I don't get it. I feel like she accomplished what she was looking to do. She trashed his name in the press. Like, I he's what? The, he's How the, is that a winner? He's the only one making it good. Apparently not, because a little bit later we find out that Jules is not very happy. That's true. Interesting. Yeah. Like, I want to know where the disconnect is. Like, what? Are, what is... I, I, I'm very confused. Like, I want to know how he thinks he won and why she was so pushed over the edge by what he sends her. Okay. So we see him get into a limo, by the way, and he calls a florist and he orders black roses. To... Which is interesting because he says black flowers. And then he changes it to roses. I know. But not on the phone. On the phone, he says black flowers. And then he says in his yeah. talking head that he sends her black roses, which I thought was interesting. Also, I don't know if they can make actual black roses now, but when I was in high school and was kind of goth, um, and I went to prom, my date got me a black boutonniere rose, but it was like spray painted. I don't know. It was like a regular rose, like painted. Interesting. You know what that makes me think, though? Well, duh. Production was involved in whatever this flower Of course. Like. That's why yes, Jules, of course. That's why Jules gets mad. Oh, because production had something to do with it? Yeah. Oh, all right. There that you go. That makes sense. Okay, so he orders black flowers, and then his talking head, he says black roses, and the card says, thanks, bitch, I'm hotter than ever, XOXO, PJC. <laughs> it's kind of funny. It is funny. So then he picks up Tommy, and he says that he's really into Tommy, and he wants to pursue it. And then they talk about how, you know, Paul says there's been so much drama and Tommy says he's not into drama. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Um, and then he finds out that Tommy's not dating anyone right now. So then at the Empire Hotel, there is a knock on Jules's door and there's a delivery. Mm -hmm. There is a delivery person standing there with these black roses. Yep. And Jules says, is this a joke? And she like yells at the delivery person <laughs> and the delivery person says, no, no, question mark. Like has no idea. And what also, she's... I guess I'm not getting a tip. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she reads this card and like loses her mind. And that's why I was so confused. Yeah. So she, she says they're really ugly and she rips up the card into little pieces. And then she yells at production and says, you guys need to cut now because I'm not filming this shit. And she rips off her mic pack. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, what the fuck? In the Jezebel article, I don't know whether it's this scene where she freaks out or the later scene where she freaks out, but they said um, that she calls one of the production people a fucking R word and CW actually cut that. I was like, of all the things that fly out of her mouth, that's the one you cut? Well, I'm surprised they didn't show it and just like bleep out the R word. I don't know. The R word comes up later. Did it? 
Well, no, you'll see. Oh, okay. Some, some of my research, very soon, in some of my research. Okay. Well, Paul got a limo with Tommy because he's going to the Four Seasons restaurant to a benefit, another unnamed benefit. And he sees Devorah um, at the step and repeat with a group of people that we don't really see. <laughs> but Paul made me laugh really hard when he described Devorah. He says, with her crazy crocodile dundee gross walkabout hair, her weird dress, and her tits that hit you in the face before you can even say hi. <laughs> it was pretty good. I mean, she's wearing another Maggie Norris corset. She's kind of a wall of beige. Her hair is like a foot too long, and she's she's got her boobs up. And I wasn't even convinced it was a different dress than the Nicole Kidman dress. It looked the same. It looked the same. It was different. It may have been the sparkly one that we wished she had worn. Oh, maybe. Yeah. It's so hard to tell with the shitty quality of the YouTube video. Like, <laughs> I know. It's, it's really bad. Um, it's very easy to rewind, though. It is, yeah, which, which is nice. nice. Um, so then in Devorah's talking head, she says that when Paul walks into parties, everybody goes to the other side of the room and that he's like a cockroach. kind of believe that. I do, too. But I feel like she probably could identify with that sometimes, too. But also, she chats him up and is, like, lovely to him. And I did think it was very, like, ugh, when she he compliments her dress and she says the designer. And he says, I think I'm Facebook friends with her. Yeah. Like, okay, whatever. Congrats. Yeah. Um, and then this is where Devorah is really on her mission to take Tinsley down and is just telling everybody how badly she was snubbed and they're not friends and Tinsley's fallen off her pedestal and she's dating a prince, but where is his crown? Well, and here's the other part that gets me a little confounded about the f alleged fakeness of this. Yeah. She did trash her all over town. There were multiple articles written about how Tinley's a piece of trash. So yeah. I can't imagine Tinsley being okay with that. I mean, like that's a pretty far extreme to go to promote a reality show. I, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's right. It's weird. Um, but this is where I have some info. So do it. The, a reporter she was talking to, his name is Mike Valinsky, and he writes for the New York Magazine. And so I was like, I'm just going to look him up and see if he's still writing, whatever. Yeah. He is still writing. Um, but they, I clicked on a list of his articles, and most of them, like the gossipy stuff he was doing was around this time frame. And I'm going to say this word, even though it shouldn't be said, because the name of this article is jaw-dropping, and I can't wait to go back and read it. One of his articles is titled, As a Grown-Up, Alex... Kazuzian, it's like K-U-C-Z-Y-N-S-K-I. Kazuzian, doesn't matter, the person's name is a woman. So, as a grown-up, Alex Kazuzian learned that people are both gay and retarded. That is the title of the article. Wow. Yeah. What a time. Yeah. And I would like read the first couple paragraphs and couldn't get to what that, the title of the article was referencing, and I didn't have time because I had to get here, but I'm like, what? Like, what is happening? Woof. These people are, they're tough. Horrible. So we go back to the Empire Hotel for flip out number two. Yes. There's another knock at the door. Well, Jules is also not alone this time. She's with Alexia. Alexa. Alexa. Uh, Alexa. Alexa. Alexa Winner, who was also supposed to be on Bravo's reality show about socialites called Most Eligible with Devorah Rose. Interesting. Never came to fruition. Oh, it must have been a spinoff from Most Eligible Dallas. It was. It was going to be Most Eligible New York. Interesting. Yep. yep. 
Um, Alexa Winner also, at one time in her life, had a blog called Not All Girls Are Born Winners. Was it about trashing other people? <laughs> I don't I don't know, but I thought that was funny. So anyway, her friend opens the door and the manager is there and asks if she's Jules Kirby and she says no. Like, no fucking way. Yeah. Um, and then who says there's a toxic smell coming out of the sink? Is it Jules? Jules, of course it's Jules. Yeah, she yells it from the couch. Um, and who says you're... Oh, Dabney is the one explaining this story in The Talking Head. Um, so Dabney is in her confessional sort of explaining what's been happening with Jules at the hotel, but it's nothing we don't know. She's well, and a monster. Also did, is Dabney still living there? It she was there with Tinsley in the same episode. But yeah, but I don't, I'm assuming that no. Yeah. I think that thing with Tinsley was filmed way earlier, but so Dabney is saying in her confessional that, you know, Jules is really crossing the line in the hotel and that she's on her last legs there. Like, management's really sick of her and whatever. Um, and I was actually surprised how much I liked Jules's dress in this episode. The gray one. Uh-huh. Clearly, they had just come back from a night out. Like, they were both very dressed. But Jules actually looked pretty good. Except yeah. that, you know, she's terrible. Um, so, they're evicting her from the hotel. They're asking her to leave. Mark Hunter, the manager. Is, Houston. Yes. Mark or Mark Houston, Houston sorry. <laughs> I wrote down his name too. <laughs> um, so then she again says like, we're not doing this on camera and she charges the camera and like, it's just a, it's a hot mess. But the weird thing is the alleged reason there's that she got kicked out had nothing to do with her being a monster. They said that she got in a fight out front. Yeah. That's what Dabney said. Yeah. Well, so they believe there was a fight in front of the hotel and they believe it was Jules. Shocking. I mean, I'm sure... I want to know, was it a physical fight? Did she, like, punch something? Like, I need to know about this fight. I googled the crap out of it. I'm sure there was nothing. Nothing. Um, But I'm assuming that she was causing a scene, and at that point, there's no way that word about her had not spread to every hotel employee. So, like, somebody outside saw it, who told the bellhop, who told the so-and-so, who told the manager, and they were like, she's got to go. But I I really want to know how getting in a fight out front is worse than all of the horrible, horrible things she's been doing to the employees of that hotel. Because a fight out front to a hotel manager is like something against their reputation. Yeah, Whereas right, someone yeah. abusing staff, that's probably sadly yeah, normal. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so what's interesting is that they're asking her to leave and the manager's like, well, let's figure out a time frame. And Jules is like, no, I'll go now. Like she's like, she's just really just throwing her best performance at it. I was confused by this though, because that was not the reaction I was expecting. I was no. expecting her to be like, I'm not going anywhere. I will sue you. Like, blah, 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 blah. Yep. and also she left with nothing. Right. Where is her luggage? Right. What I found very interesting is that she's in this actually like cute gray, like cocktail dress at first. Then all of a sudden as she's being escorted out, she's back in her candy striper outfit with her fugly sneakers. So, I rewound so many times. It was like frame by frame again. (laughs) And I think she just didn't want to leave in her fancy dress. And she just threw on what she had had on earlier. So I was like, oh, has she just been like going on a tear all day? Like from from the cleaning to the spa to the fight out front. Like she's just been burning the place to the ground. And I was like, that kind of tracks. And then I could tell that her hair was actually the same. She had the same, like, nicer hairdo when they went outside, despite her change of outfit. And Alexa was still wearing her sparkly dress. Oh. I was really, I was Nancy Drewing it. I was, like, zooming in on this crappy YouTube trying to figure it out. Can we talk about the cab? 
Oh, yeah, that it drove away and she, like, ripped the door, door open. open. Yeah, there's a cab that, like, kind of pulls up for her sort of, like, slowed down. I don't even think it was playing for her. And she, like, just opens the door and the cab's still driving. But then it stopped and they got in. But I was like, what is happening right now? I bet that guy lived to regret that. I bet he did, too. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So she's, the hotel is no more. I wonder if we're going to see Jules anymore. Oh, we do? Yeah, we do. Oh, yeah, we yeah, do. Yeah, we do. Never mind. Um, so then we're at the gates in Chelsea. And Paul and Tommy are on a date, supposedly, but they were just at that benefit, so now they're having drinks after, I guess. Um, Tommy's so hot, and Tommy tells Paul that he has butterflies in his stomach. I, like, flames <laughs> out the sides of my head. I, what the fuck? Like, what the actual fuck? Lies. Lies. But then... Okay, so Paul's saying that things are getting wild and, you know, they're taking shots and he's dancing on the table and all these people keep coming up to him and Tommy gets upset because he's not getting enough time with Paul. Mm-hmm. And I was, like, giggling because no way. And then drunk Tommy cries. And says, I'm not going to be your arm candy. Yeah. And then, so Paul had a few choice quotes in this scene. He said, dude, you're at a club with me. You're not going to get a lot of one-on-one time. And then Tommy leaves after crying and Paul kind of calms him down, but he's so wasted that he can't. Um, And he says he's not going to be his arm candy and all that kind of stuff. And Tommy basically says that he felt used. And then that sets Paul off. He's like, oh, I'm using you. He says, you think I'm using you? Well, where is there to climb when you're already at the top? Um, If that is the top, I don't want to see the bottom. Right. And then he poses like he's Christ on a cross. Yeah. On the sidewalk. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's a lot. Also, I hate to break it to you, Paul, but you're definitely not a top. Oh, no. 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 Um, so then it is Tuesday and Devorah is preparing to go to the Christopher Reeve ball, which she means is the Christopher and Dana Reeve foundation benefit. Which is, I feel really bad for Dana because, well, was she already dead at this point? I don't know. I guess we don't feel bad for her. She's already dead at that point. But, um, yeah, like they mentioned this benefit 40,000 times and never mentioned her name once. I know. Um, and while Devorah is doing that, Tinsley is on her way to Newport, Rhode Island to see her mom. Um, she says that they used to be the best of friends and, you know, she needs to go talk to her. And we see Dale's summer residence. I mean, talk about a residence. No kidding. Um, and then they go to the Marble House, which is a famous house in Newport. Um, And I guess Tinsley is going to be part of a planning committee for an event that they are throwing for the Preservation Society. That is the most hoity-toity thing I've ever said. Um, Also, have you been to Newport? Yes. I have too. I had to go for a wedding in the off-season. Yeah. Stayed at the grossest Airbnb I've ever been in in my life, and it was like $500 a night. Yeah, that sounds about right. It's pretty small. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So Dale, they're at the Marble House and they're talking to these gentlemen on the committee and Dale really worries that, she says, Tinsley's latest forays into dating will preclude her from these honors. (laughs) Sorry, I had to say it just like that. (laughs) Um, 
So then the gentlemen walk Dale and Tinsley to the portrait of Alva Vanderbilt. And so they talk about how Alva got divorced and it was a big deal in society and that she never recovered from it socially. And Dale says in front of Tinsley and these gentlemen, well, Tinsley's going through something like that herself. Um, well, that was after the guy said not only was she shunned, but that they shredded all her pictures, her portraits, and that was the only one left. Yeah. So then Dale says if Alva could speak to Tinsley, she would tell her to think of her future and that she's ruining her life. Okay. So I did a little research on our gal, Alva Vanderbilt. All right. Hit me with it. I'm just going to say I don't think, well, well, whatever. Okay. So from Wikipedia, in the very first few sentences of Alva Vanderbilt's profile, it says she was noted for her energy, intelligence, strong opinions, and willingness to challenge convention. So Alva Vanderbilt did divorce her husband, William Vanderbilt, on account of his infidelity. It was rumored that he had hired women to make it look like he was unfaithful because he wanted to get a divorce from Alva, but whatever. She divorced him in 1896. She earned, Wait, why would you hire women and not fuck them? I don't know. Anyway, so she got more than $10 million in her divorce settlement in 1896. Which is like $100 million today. She also got several estates and she owned the Marble House in her own name outright. Um, I feel like Dale is rewriting history. Yeah. So then Alva married again a year later to a family friend, Oliver Belmont, and they were married until he died in 1908. And then she took on the cause of women's suffrage. Okay. She's like a famous women's suffrage figure. Local note, the Belmont Paul Women's Equality National Monument in Capitol Hill of DC. That's her. Really? Yeah. Huge suffragette. Okay. So Dale needs to close her mouth. I feel like that you should write all this down and send it to Dale. Also, she got remarried. It didn't ruin her from shit. It's so stupid. It was so stupid. So yeah. I'm glad I looked it up and I feel very smug now. I was already mad about it because I could just tell that it was Dale spouting bullshit. But now I know for real. Well, I'm glad you looked it up too because that's interesting. Yeah, she's she's pretty bomb. Um, so anyway, then we see Devorah. We totally forgot to talk about Devorah trying on jewelry. Oh, no, no, no she's that's, doing it's that happening now. now. Yeah, okay. it's happening now. So she's... She's going to this Christopher Reeve Foundation gala and she's trying on jewelry with Jeffrey Rockover. Rackover. Rack, I don't care. Um, and she's trying on millions of dollars of diamonds. Three million dollars worth. Yeah. Um, and so based on the pieces that she chose to wear, he says that she'll have to have security with her. Yeah. Okay. Um, so... Then we see Tinsley have a talk with her mom um, and it really can't go on... One more day, and Tinsley, to her credit, they're still at the Marble House, but they're standing outside on its lawn. She says that it's been really hurtful, that she is at the most vulnerable time in her life, and she felt like her mom wasn't there to support her at all, and that she lost her cheerleader when she needed one the most. Which is really hard to say. And I thought she was very eloquent. Me too. And she says several times that Topper was not a good husband to me. I know that. And like, I need you to stand by me in that, which is also really hard to say. And like, she, she stood up for herself in a way that I was very proud of her for, even though this is all scripted, <laughs> whatever, apparently. 
Um, and Dale says, I've been trying to save you, Tinsley. From your sale. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and Tinsley also says that it was extra hurtful. Oh, and Dale said, well, I was in the middle. And Tinsley was like, no, you chose to be in the middle. You, you took Topper's phone calls. You were willing to hear him out, but I'm your daughter. You're supposed to be on my side, which is true. So one thing I found interesting though, is that she says Topper was not a good husband for me. He couldn't even do it for two weeks and be a good guy to me. Which I thought was shocking because I had always thought that the narrative of their relationship was that they like have been together since high school. They just kind of grew apart a little bit when they got older. She thought she wanted something else. Like I thought he was supposed to be a great guy. And she's like, Topper's wonderful. And now we're finding out that he wasn't. I, I was shocked she said it. Because even on Housewives, it was still like, Topper's great, Topper whatever, I should never love Topper. I mean, like she fully, between this show and Housewives, Dale finally got to her. And she will forever regret leaving Topper. So I was shocked to hear that. I know. And I'm wondering if the two-week thing, like, does that mean she went to some party and he shamed her for it? Is that what she means? Like, I don't know. I'd die to know. Yeah, who knows? But... The good news is that out of this conversation, Dale, I don't know that she actually says she's sorry, but she does say that she is proud of Tinsley um, and that her heart is broken and she realizes she took a stance that was too strong and she does want to be closer to Tinsley and on her side. Um, The thing that made me vomit was when Tinsley said, I just want my mommy back. I hate when adults call their parents mommy Mommy and daddy. I hate it. Me too. Hate it. Hate. Hate cannot stand i every time she says but mommy i have i can't cannot the only thing i'll do only because i know it annoys the fuck out of him is sometimes with my father i'll be like what's up daddykins (laughs) but i do it purposely yeah very different um so then we see devora at this reeve event which was november 9th 2009 by the way um and she's wearing all this jewelry and a pretty boring like one sleeve black dress the jewelry doesn't even stand out that much and this event was at the Marriott Marquis. And it looks, in Times Square? Yeah. And it looks really lame. Um, what looked lame to me is her date. So all the other men are in suits and dressed up. And her date is in a sweater and a newsy hat. Like yeah. a newsboy hat. It was really weird. He did not. I was like, at first I was like, is that the security for the dot? Like, who is this person? Like, he did not blend at all. And super underdressed. I wondered, are they early? Is this a cocktail hour before the benefit starts? Like, it didn't look full. It didn't look decadent. Why is she wearing $3 million of jewelry to this event? Um, I'm guessing, if I had to make an educated guess, that they did probably show up early because she wanted a lot of time with the step and repeat. Yeah. Because she was wearing $3 million worth of jewelry. I guess so. Interesting. And I, she probably didn't want to have to fight. Like, I'm sure there were a lot of much, like, actual celebrities there. So I bet she thought, oh, if I show up early, I can get tons of time with the step and repeat. They'll take tons of pictures of me. But if I show up later when everyone else is showing up and there's, like, actual Hollywood celebrities there, no one's going to be taking my picture. Or I'll get one or two pictures taken instead of 30 or whatever. Yeah. Well, that tracks. Um, And then again, she starts telling everybody about Tinsley and the war is on and that her master plan is working and the truth is spreading like wildfire. My favorite were the two homos who like come running up to her and are like, oh, we love your magazine. We love you. Oh my God. And the article just dropped. Like, la, 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 la. And they're like reading the article about her trashing Tinsley. I'm like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I 
That was definitely all fake. Like, all fake. Yeah. Although, if you and I ran into her, maybe we would do the same. But how would they have known about the... I mean, like... I was joking. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, yes, I would have gone up and said something, but, like, the, the fact that they pulled up the article to me is was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Um, but that's it for this episode, and next time... Oh, yes. Paul makes up with Tommy, apparently. Uh-huh. Um, I'm pretty sure Alexandra is back. And she's... Oh, my God. I forgot she existed. Right. And I think she's the one that, when talking to Tinsley, calls Devorah a delusional piece of white trash, was the quote in the preview. But she's not even white. She's Latina. Whatever. Um, And then we see Devorah tell Jules that she wasn't invited, and we see glassware thrown. Yeah. Jules is throwing glasses. I and see I misheard that. I thought someone was calling Tinsley white trash when I was watching it. I think they were talking while Tinsley's getting her hair done. Alexandra says that and then that's why Tinsley was laughing. Oh, okay, okay. I missed I missed out on that. Yeah. Well, we will see. Ugh. Trash monsters. All of them. Um, well, it's been so fun recording in person. Um, we will see you guys in two weeks and we're off to do some birthday celebrating. Thanks for listening to another episode of One Hit Wonderful. You can find us online on Twitter and Instagram at One Hit Pod. You can email us at franklymareb at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Nana's Mink. And you can find me on Twitter at Hey It's Mare B. Please remember to rate and subscribe and have a great week, guys. We'll talk to you soon.